All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're doing well. This is uh, the week of Sunday, March 5th, 2023, the second Sunday in Lent. And we're switching Gospels this week. We are going to be in the Gospel of John chapter 3. And if you're around, come join us on Sunday at Mission Hills. And John chapter 3, uh, 1 through 17 is the lectionary text for this week. But I am just going to read the first bit of this. But as always, if you have uh, something that you want to bring to the conversation on Sunday, feel free to, to bring uh, the whole text into this. All right. So John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do with these miraculous signs unless that God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it is not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? And Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh, whatever is born of the spirit, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said, how are these things possible? Jesus answered, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't, know, you don't know these things. I assure you that what we speak about, we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. Okay, I'll stop there. The word of the Lord. All right, well, this is obviously a fairly famous story in the Gospel of John, and obviously uh, the phrase born again or born anew is a, a common phrase within Western Christianity. Uh, and maybe we can get into that on Sunday uh, in just the different ways that uh, we've all heard this particular phrase uh, used in uh, religious settings. But I want to open up with a quote from Thomas Merton. He writes, There is in us an instinct for newness, for renewal, for liberation of creative power. We seek to awaken in ourselves a force which really changes our lives from within. And yet the same instinct tells us that this change is a recovery of that which is deepest, most original, and most personal in ourselves. To be born again is not to become somebody else, but to become ourselves. So we opened up, uh, thanks to Kelly for a great podcast last week, we opened up uh, the Linton season together, and our theme for this year is tune in. Tune in. And I hope you're able to maybe consider this theme from a variety of perspectives uh, yourself, being curious about what might be going on in your heart, listening to your body, listening to, to a friend. Uh, to, you know, we, know, we know that John's gospel, uh, Jesus has this invitation uh, in the first chapter to, to come and see. And I think this is uh, a similar invitation to us, to, to come and see, to pay attention. And I hope that's our, our spirit for this particular Sunday, that we would be open and curious to what we might find 
uh, in ourselves and in the heart of our world today. And I think we can come at this, this theme of paying attention and our capacity for awareness from different angles. And I think this text is, is perfect for this. Uh, and it reminds me even of that uh, text from a couple of weeks ago, the Transfiguration, our bridge from Epiphany into Lent, uh, when the voice from heaven tells the disciples uh, to listen. Let's listen. So uh, I hope that is our, our spirit throughout this season, and, and particularly this Sunday, to, to be open to listen, to be open to come and see. Um, Kelly did a, a beautiful meditation uh, a couple of years ago on the idea of our body as a home. And I was thinking about this idea of, of listening to our hearts, listening to our bodies. And she shared this poem uh, from Rupi Kaur that reads, There is a conversation happening inside of you. Pay deep attention to what your inner world is saying. Pay deep attention to what your inner world is saying. And like I mentioned, I hope for, for all of us this season would, would be that we... We give up things that feel like a weight on our shoulders. We were talking last week about the, the concept in, in Ash Wednesday and, and for many Christians during the season of Lent is to give up something and how, how that phrase give up can function in a variety of different ways. And, and my hope would be that we, we give up things that feel like a weight has been lifted off our shoulders. To, to think, to approach Lent with the mindset of what would it feel like to, to have a weight lifted off our shoulders? to integrate healing practices that uh, bring us more joy and more love. And I think it's a, a significant paradigm shift in thinking about this phrase, giving up something for Lent, as I use air quotes, giving up something for Lent, to allow ourselves permission to just be present with what we're experiencing, to just give ourselves permission to, to tune in, to listen, to something that we might not have have seen or noticed if we didn't take the time to really pay attention, to slow down enough to pay attention. How, how are we experiencing love? What, uh, what gives me a, a deep sense of my, my true self? Uh, you know, to use the, the poem and the, and the line from Merton of becoming more ourselves, to be born again. And I want to think about these questions uh, given this particular text of Jesus's uh, you know, message to Nicodemus that he needs to be born again, born anew. And obviously much of traditional Christianity equates this phrase with a particular kind of understanding of salvation. I think that's probably how most of it, the context of how most of us have heard the phrase born again used. And like as if it's believing in a particular ideology that didn't exist in the story's historical context or, or when uh, the Gospel of John was written. So, so it, we have to ask the question of, well, what is Jesus saying to Nicodemus if he's not talking about, uh, you know, believing in him so they can go to an afterlife or, or um, join a particular religion or, or have a particular religious ideology? What is Jesus inviting Nicodemus into when he invites him to say, you must be born again. I think it's interesting that the context of this story is uh, the night after Jesus turns over the tables in the temple. 
Mission Hills, we've talked before the significance about the significance of Nicodemus approaching Jesus uh, at night instead of during the day. It's also interesting to to even explore the the metaphor of of birth, and there's so many unique ways uh, to think about how that metaphor might function for for us, or how that metaphor uh, might have been heard in the first century uh, to be born again. How does that strike you is maybe an interesting question. Uh, one aspect that stood out to me was even, even just how confused Nicodemus was with this koan-like saying from Jesus. He's, he's a Pharisee. He's smart. He's a smart guy. It, but it was obviously puzzled because he, he then jokingly or sarcastically, I don't know what, I'm curious at what tone of voice he responds to Jesus when he's like, uh, you know, how could you literally be born again? But maybe it's something like Jesus is, uh, I'm sorry, Nicodemus is operating under a certain kind of paradigm that doesn't allow him to see what Jesus is, is talking about, which to me is a really relate. he's a really relatable character because he's, I mean, I guess some people could debate whether or not he's genuine in coming to Jesus, but let's just say he's genuine. Like he's genuinely curious enough to approach Jesus about the signs that he's doing as John's gospel calls them. But then Jesus's response to his question genuinely confuses him. And then Jesus uh, responds to, to that answer with something like, you know, well, based on your role as a Pharisee, you should get what I mean. You're, you're, you're an expert. You should, you should be able to see and hear these things. But there's some... There's some disconnect there, which I, I think there's something uh, relatable and, and fundamental that we can embrace in the character of Nicodemus, but just in the experience of a failure and not getting it. Uh, there's perhaps something that Nicodemus is trying to tune into, uh, but he isn't, he isn't there yet. And like many other Pharisees uh, who saw Jesus as a as a threat or an enemy, uh, maybe he's boxed in to a particular religious framework or a particular um, lens of viewing Jesus and what Jesus was doing at, at the time. Uh, so to be born again, how does this phrase strike you? What, what stands out when, when you hear this phrase? And I was thinking, you know, for me, it's something... Uh, similar to the to the Merton quote, to allow the the flow of life to to be to be present with what we are experiencing, even when it's painful. Uh, something about the difficult truth of the the life and the death cycle that Lent throws us into. The paradox of of losing ourselves to find ourselves. Thich Nhat Han would say. Uh, Impermanence and non-self are doors that open to the true nature of reality. In, in thinking about flow, uh, I'm reminded of the outpouring expression of love always involves open-heartedness, open vulnerability. And we recognize this in, in Jesus' life of self-emptying. 
which is not to be confused with, with self-sacrifice, but we'll get to that in a second. Instead, it's holding, it's holding life so lightly as to be swept into the flow of love, always maneuvering around and over obstacles. And there's lots of different language for this. Fresh wine and fresh wineskins, born again, losing your life to find it, death and resurrection. We have so many metaphors and liturgies that remind us that at the heart of everything is love. And while I, I admit that that might sound woo-woo or, or naive or overly optimistic, I think it's ultimately all we have and all we are regardless of the situation or context. Because as we've talked about, the small self, the ego, the false self, uh, our emotional programs for happiness, whatever language we want to put around that, all of these ways uh, that Kelly did a great job explaining um, that are sort of the obstacles to tuning in and becoming uh, more and more of ourselves, the paradox of non-self and becoming who we actually are, all of these uh, egos and false self are incredibly good at trapping us into patterns of thinking. Tapes we play about who we are, what the world is really like, who we're supposed to be, who others expect us to be. But this uh, divine flow at the heart of everything, uh, it's even been historically expressed. We've talked about this before in the symbol of the Trinity. And uh, Cynthia Borgia, in talking about the Trinity, talks about uh, the Trinity as self-emptying love, that you can imagine um, a water wheel in three buckets around this mill, constantly overspilling into one another. And she writes this, the mill turns and the energy of love becomes manifest and accessible. The Cappadocians called this intercirculation of love perichoresis, which means the dance around. So we, we imagine this, this dance. Rora calls this the, the divine dance. In this particular insight, she writes, God reveals God's nature in a continuous round dance of self-emptying. The great water wheel of the Trinity, God is love, brings itself into reality through this intercirculation. And I think this is something like what the phrase born again, like many paradoxes, is trying to get at. That being born again is not necessarily about adding or doing something, but by giving up. Which is why I feel like this uh, situ situates itself in the season of Lent. Because we give up our compulsions for needing to, to be anything, to do anything, for, for the validation or the establishment of that false self. So in giving up, we start this path of the heart of understanding and becoming our true self. In our small group last week, we talked about um, the, the paradox of the, the never give up spirit in the give up spirit and how there's kind of an interplay of knowing when to give up and when to never give up. And I think with, like that's where wisdom comes in. Wisdom is knowing when certain things need to die 
in order for you to be born again. And a core component of, of this love, and if we use the image of the wheel, um, is the release and letting go, the death of something in order for the beginning of something else. Merton would say the death of self-centered and self-sufficient ego in the appearance of a new and liberated self. These are the acts of the spirit in the living experience of divine love. You must be born again. I forget where Kelly said it, um, but a while ago she mentioned something to the effect of, um, you cannot have love without boundaries. Something to that effect. You cannot have love without boundaries. And I was thinking about these, these images and these metaphors. And maybe that's something that you've experienced at some point or, uh, some point or another, which is, a kind, to me, a kind of listening. It's a kind of paying attention, tuning in. Uh, to know when to give up, to know when to not give up, to know when to uh, establish boundaries um, as a way of expressing love. And being open, um, being able to open our hearts and lives uh, to greater depths of love, I would say requires a kind of clarity, which can be seen as, as boundaries. To have, to have an awareness and of understanding of where to move, when to say no. Uh, these are our expressions of this new expansive mind, this kind of consciousness I think Jesus is calling uh, Nicodemus into. And I think a part of that paradox of the expansiveness of uh, this kind of consciousness or, or non-dual mind uh, is we get glimpses that things must be let go in order for liberation and hope to be born. And I don't think you can have expansive and unconditional love without wisdom. And I don't think we can have wisdom without the clarity of those healthy boundaries uh, that express what Jesus is calling a different kind of kingdom. With that comes a certain yes and no. And there's wisdom in knowing where and what we give our energy to. And I think we see this confusion a lot, especially in Christianity. Um, we often mistake misunderstand unconditional love with allowing power imbalances, toxic behaviors, uh, or expecting others or ourselves to continually self-sacrifice even when it's destructive, to continually give until there's nothing left to give. So I think there's so much wisdom in the heart of love for no. To have a certain kind of clarity and awareness for the yes and for the no. This is an expression of love, this energetic flow at the heart of everything. And I know so many of you have, have felt and experienced that before. Because uh, you can't have love when there's, when there's no flow of life, vitality, when people are being hurt and mistreated, there's not respect. When people are expected to only give and give and give. There's no wisdom or love in that. I think it's interesting that Jesus, uh, right before this, 
interaction with Nicodemus turns over the tables in the temples to say no, expressing that a particular way of doing things has to end for a new kind of kingdom to be born. So I think another question in invitation for us is that we might also be able to tune into the systems and structures that are harming people in the planet and also need to be born again. Where might you sense in your life, in our world, that there are things that need to be born again? To be born again, to be born anew, is oftentimes to toss out things weighing you down so that it might open you up to life with curiosity, wonder, joy, hope. So I think we'll kind of wrap it there on what I hope for us to continue to explore this this month um, and in this season is that we would tune into uh, this Jesus heart as we walk through, uh, through Lent together. We would ask good questions about love and justice. We would tune into what we are experiencing and fe- feeling. And I think we'll leave it there. I hope everybody is having a, a good week and a good weekend. And uh, I uh, look forward to our conversation on Sunday. And as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well. <laughs>